Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Coming up in an hour, Aaron Murray will be with us, former Georgia Bulldogs quarterback. Looking forward to that chat. Clay Travis also in hour number three. Welcome back, OutKick 360, across the OutKick network, just like that. Just like just that. Just like that. Uh, second hour is here, and we uh, have Shannon Terry from On3 Sports. He'll join us in studio here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. That'll be in about 20 minutes from right now. Really looking forward to that chat. It's always great when, when Shannon is on. Headlines today, we'll start with Franco Harris, who's passed away at the age of 72. Chad, we, we led off the show with this, but uh, this this goes to, I, I think, even more so to his legacy. Everyone's going to discuss the immaculate reception, uh, the football stats, played in, in, has four Super Bowl titles, Super Bowl MVP, um, over 12,000 rushing yards for his career. Um, but it's so much more than that based on the human being. And that's the, the, the storyline and the storytelling that we're hearing today. Yeah, and I, I've been reading through quotes from Terry Bradshaw and others who've spoken about uh, his life, teammates of his, people who've been around him for a long time. And, and that, that's what's great about this, uh, not obviously what happened, but after the fact when you start to hear more about the person. Uh, Mike Leach was the same way. We know the funny video clips. We know his record as a coach. We know about the air raid. But once he passed away, you started filling in all of the edges with these great stories of humanity uh, with Mike Leach. Just today I saw an account of Mike Leach, where one of the last things he did on earth was uh, there was a, a, a African-American-owned soul food restaurant in Starkville, Mississippi, that he frequented that was struggling, and he gave them investment money that helped them stay afloat. And that's one of the last things he did on earth. Things like that, that, that you wouldn't know about unless there was tragedy, because Mike Leach isn't the type to publicize that. And Franco Harris, the stories you're hearing about him now, and the person he was, a lot of similar qualities and we're now reading and, and hearing about a lot of those. So, really sad day. But um, it, it's it's been it's been enlightening to read more about Franco Harris, the man, and not just Franco Harris, the guy who caught the immaculate reception yeah. and had one of the most memorable plays, if not the most memorable play in NFL history. Pro Football Hall of Famer Franco Harris, uh, dead at the age of seventy-two. The other headlines out there: the, the Colts are making another quarterback decision they're benching Matt Ryan now this will be for the second time this year of course they put him back as the starter against the Raiders whenever Jeff Saturday was named interim coach now they're going to Nick Foles Nick Foles makes his first start of the season for the Indianapolis Colts of course they bypassed him with Frank Reich prior to the switch to uh, Jeff Saturday and the, the coach firing but Foles has not had more than seven starts in a season since 2015 and, of course, he's famous for the Super Bowl run that they went on whenever Wentz got hurt with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but, Chad, this is also a, a quarterback where I, I think people are reading into the saying, oh, they're trying to figure out what they have for next year. 
it took Foles a lot of convincing to come out of retirement, what, last year? Yeah. Um, and even prior to that, there were situations where he wanted to stick with the ministry and, and do other things post-career. He was content and was convinced to come out of retirement. And now I wonder, based on all of the background and everything that's happening behind the scenes in Indy, if he actually wants to stick around or not. Money talks, I get it. But this is a guy that was focused on post-career, came back to play, and here he is starting in week 16 and not back in week 9 whenever they decided to make the change or whenever it was midway through the season. It's weird because normally I'm, you know, guys are competitive, they don't want to get benched, they want to play. I look at this situation, I think neither one of these guys should want to play <laughs> right now for this Colts team. I mean, if I'm Matt Ryan, I'm thrilled. You can go ahead and get started on your retirement probably after this year yeah. with this news. I don't see him, you know, the the way it's looked this year getting a really good opportunity somewhere else to be the starter. And if you're Nick Foles, based on the way things have gone, I, I'm excited they didn't. They went to Sam Ellinger and not me earlier in the year. And and now this, I, I just – it, Hutton, it, this sounds counter to what I normally stand for in terms of competition and sport. This sounds like punishment to me, though. <laughs> I mean, Nick well, Foles having to play for this Colts team – Right now, after being passed over for a younger player to get a look at the younger player, only to have Frank Reich fired, the guy you came to play for, bring in Jeff Saturday who doesn't have any experience, and then Saturday decides to go back with Foles, I'm sorry, with Ryan, looks like a move to be competitive and win games, and then he doesn't work out. So now you're going to go to Nick Foles. This is a terrible situation. Also, consider the business element of this. Matt Ryan, if he gets hurt to the point where he cannot pass a physical the third day of the league year in March, $17 million is fully guaranteed to him based on that alone. So they're also ensuring that they can cut him, they can do away with and take whatever hit they want and not still owe him $17 million if he were to get hurt to the point where he cannot pass a physical with the, with the team um, the, the third day of the league year. Whenever we we see the different things happen across the league with uh, salary caps and, and things in March. So and free agency began. So that's, that's also to consider, but it, it's also them going with Nick Foles when, I mean, it was odd that they didn't do that beforehand. I'm, I'm with you, Chad, if you're going to make the change. Uh, well, I had the exercise of the, the best and worst backup quarterbacks in the yeah. league. And Nick Foles is one of the best. Yes. It's one of the best backup situation. He's not great right now, but he is a good, steady backup that I always look at the barometer being if you if your quarterback is out four games, could the backup get you a split in those four games? All things being equal, all things being even. I think Nick Foles is one of those guys, one of the few that has done it before and could, not guaranteed, but could conceivably right. get you a split if your starter was out four games. But this isn't the situation for Nick Foles. This is the situation he wants to be in. Colts don't want to be in this situation. It's it's a bad deal. Um, other quarterback news: Zach Wilson is in line to start again for the Jets this Thursday night football. Jets Jags because uh, we're still not seeing Mike White cleared to play. So it's the Zach Wilson show for the second consecutive game as they have the short week facing Jacksonville, who's trying to continue to win. And if, the, if they win and the Titans lose, Jacksonville will go into Week 17 with the lead for the AFC South. They'll have the same record, and the Jags will have the head-to-head -head tiebreaker from Week 14. 
NFL Sunday ticket, we knew it was going to be pricey. But Thursday night football for Amazon was a billion dollars a year, roughly. And this is incredible. So you've got YouTube and Google for the NFL Sunday ticket, which DirecTV has opted out of. YouTube, the reports are Google offering $2.5 billion a season for the rights to this uh, NFL Sunday ticket package, which is extremely popular, of course. But $2.5 billion to have this service. Apple was also involved with this. And it, the reports are, and this is leaking out because I, it's close to very, very much getting signed and done. Um, and it's through CNBC that we're going to see YouTube end up with Sunday Ticket. So help me out here. Yep. Google owns YouTube? Yes. That's the okay. parent company. So uh, th- this is just going to... I feel like with YouTube TV being a part of this now, if Amazon was confusing to people for Thursday Night Football, this is going to be even worse with yeah. Sunday Ticket. Now, uh, the, the flip side of that is you're paying a premium... So those customers that are paying for Sunday Ticket, they're obviously going to then at least know how to work the internet on their television and go to a streaming service, and they're going to know exactly where to go for YouTube TV streaming. But It won't take long, though. Not for this, because people have been clamoring for this. There are people celebrating this yeah. because they don't have DirecTV, right? Yeah, I, I, it's just, man... The I mean, money, this the is money a much at play, easier sell than Thursday night football. The money at play and the possibilities now with streaming services, once they throw their hat in the ring, and some of these mega ultra billionaires behind these companies, yeah. and what they can do, it it's really just resetting the market. Uh, Chad, Sonny Dykes, AP Coach of the Year, no surprise with what they've done at TCU. None at all. I mean, first year. Taking over that program and uh, you know undefeated up until the Big Twelve Championship game against Kansas State, I think this is a no brainer for National Coach of the Year. Bobby Carpenter on with us earlier, and he was saying how you know he believes you should not be sleeping on TCU against Michigan in that game. And this is from an Ohio State guy who just saw Michigan whip up on his Buckeyes. That TCU is going to have a good chance. I, I agree with him, but I still think if I'm looking at how can Georgia lose this thing. That's where I'm kind of looking at it right yeah. now. I, I, they're the certainly the odds-on favorite. But how could they lose? I'm still ranking Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, TCU 3 in yeah, terms but, of the four uh, of who could beat Georgia. But see, I think we're falling into the same trap we did a year ago with Michigan where they out-physicaled Ohio State, and then we saw them match up in the college football playoff, and it just was not comparable to what we saw from the Big Ten. They, they couldn't do it. Um, and I think we're – I'm trying not to let myself fall into the trap of, oh, Michigan's – they've improved that level. But I think how you beat Georgia is how Alabama did in the SEC championship game. And to me, Ohio State's the closest thing to that compared to what we have the, with the other options. Let's also just forecast this out a little bit. If you're right, and I think you might be, let's say Georgia rolls Ohio State and then rolls Michigan. Yeah. In the national championship game, the anti Big Ten Ohio State Michigan backlash is going to be fierce. Oh yeah, because there's going to be a lot. It's not all year. The talk was it's a top heavy conference, but Ohio State and Michigan are elite. Mm-hmm. Well, if Ohio State and Michigan play Georgia and they don't look elite against an elite program from the SEC, 
there's going to be a lot of bemoaning the Big Ten setup currently and the fact that you're, you're propping up a system that allows the two programs that actually recruit generally at an elite level to face off at the end of the year and set themselves up to get two teams into a four-team playoff, and both teams really aren't nearly as good as the best in the SEC. Look, I'm rooting for that not to happen. I, I want better you know, uh, distribution of teams and talent across the country than what we've seen with the SEC dominating many years. But if that happens and both teams aren't competitive with Georgia, look out. It's, it's going to be ugly. But also, I mean, keep in mind, too, it'll be flipped. It'll be, I think, heavier flipped if, uh, if one of the two does knock off Georgia because you, Kevin Warren is already on a roll across college football with everything he's done in the last 12 months. And now he has two teams in with a crack to knock off the, the SEC. And again, we're bypassing TCU for the sake of the conversation. But if they get two chances and don't get it, yeah, the, the, the anti-Big Ten will certainly be out. But if they do, the win of the year would be over the number one team trying to run it back. Are you like me and we're, we've passed the point of trying to talk about the Big Ten adding the two L.A. schools and I'm past the point of yeah. talking about what it's going to look like with Texas and Oklahoma and I'm now to the point of can we just see these games happen? I just want to see a season of USC, UCLA, and the Big Ten, football and basketball, and I want to see it in the SEC with Texas, Oklahoma, and then we can start talking about things yeah. in those terms. I got that way with A&M well, and Missouri joining the SEC also. There was talk about it, what's it going to look like, and then once it happened, it, it pretty quickly felt natural. Yeah, but the arms race here makes it even more impactful. And, and Absolutely. Like, but, but, you know, we'll, we'll be like that for about seven months. And then July 4th weekend will roll around, and there will be another bombshell. across. We're two for two now over the last two years. There will be more information that comes out over that weekend, just like we've seen here, the last two. Um, also in news today, with uh, we'll talk with Shannon Terry about a lot of big oh. picture stuff around National Signing <laughs> Day. Um, you probably saw the tweet that just came, came about. Uh, Dabo Sweeney uh, says that uh, Clemson's program uh, is based in name, image, likeness, in NIL. Uh, which surprised many when he said that because he's been adamantly opposed to all things advancing name, image, likeness. But he clarified by saying his program is is crafted in the name, image, likeness of God. Yeah, in in his image. Right. And which got was, which got more than hear, one like, oh, sarcastic retweet from college football uh, media. And it's funny. I saw there were people that have you know you've got like the stop photos of, of where they were going, you know, with each thing. And there was the questions being asked about NIL. And there's a moment where you see Dabo with this smirk on his face. And a reporter said, this is the moment Dabo could use that material that he wrote, wrote down weeks ago about NIL, that now it clicked he could finally say the, the line about NIL and God. Well, we have – It was we, perfect. We had Catholics versus convicts. Now you have Spire and NIL with Tennessee against Clemson. Yeah. By Rod and I staff at Clemson. <laughs> And, and with this, are you painting the Vols as the unholy yeah. <laughs> legion? I mean, that's that's against I'm not, uh, Dabo against Dabos. Dabo I'm sure would. Clemson fans will too. <laughs> this is uh, you know the old battle of good versus evil, God versus Satan, taking place in the Orange Bowl between Clemson and Tennessee. The winner gets the future. Can't wait to see it. Yes. Yeah. The winner wins the future. Josh Heupel doesn't strike me as a Satan-like figure. No, though. no. But <laughs> of all the coaches, I wouldn't say yeah. This guy, this guy's the devil. He'll sign checks though. 
Or, well, someone will. Or someone will. That's he right. will. He will passively he'll, stand by he'll and jump allow, immediately. allow yeah, people to no sign passive. checks You're to right. make sure that, that you know, they're getting the job done with talent. Um, Shannon Terry signs checks, but he's also had companies sign checks for him with all of the companies he has started and then sold. And now he owns and has founded On3 Sports. All things NIL, recruiting, and the combination of the transfer portal. Where we are today... And where we're, where we're headed on the horizon, Shannon Terry in studio with us next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on 6th and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Next time you're in Music City, if you're listening across the Outkick Network, join us here, 6th and Peabody. Or, Chad, you like to say at the corner of Peabody and 6th. Yeah, when, when people ask, you know, where are you? I always yeah. say, 6th and Peabody. That The address, it's a special place, Hutton, when the address is in the title of the, the store. The bar, the store. We, we've got a little bit of everything. We've yes. got a tasting bar. We've got a bar. We've got an outside patio. we got huge TVs here. Brewery. It's, it's a nice spot to do a show every day. Not bad. Also special to have Shannon Terry in the house with us. Uh, of course, the founder of On3 Sports. And we're talking the business of college football and really all sports, college athletics, uh, for the next segment or so, where we've got <laughs> signing day, which is massive. Chad, you went through the numbers. Shannon, welcome in, by the way. Hope things are well. Glad to be here. Um, um, yeah, with, roll through the numbers you were mentioning because – then he can go in depth on what well, these it's, numbers mean. It's and, and we've had this this conversation before, Shannon. But you know the the fascinating intersection of college football and business and valuations, and that that is very much the business you are in right now with On Three Sports and the direction I know you guys are ultimately headed. Um, but front office sports and they they credited On Three Sports looked at the NIL valuation of Arch Manning and the entire Texas class. And had by by on three sports NIL valuation, this is the biggest NIL value recruiting class today on signing day. And even when I say these things now, mm-hmm. it's crazy to me to think about that and, and look at those numbers. And this is what you're doing every day, though, is looking at high school players and where they can project. Yeah, you know, I looked at that. It was two hundred sixty thousand? I think was the uh, yeah. It was, was, was two sixty five, two seventy, yeah. right around there. So that that number obviously is arch related. I mean, arch was a unique situation because he had legacy, family brand value to his name. So it was a, it was a way different situation. There's a few of those, Bronny James, and and some of those guys. Yeah. So so the number one question that everyone wants to know that our company's trying to solve for in this new era of NAL is what is your value. Well, the first definition of value is what someone's willing to pay you, okay? But it's way more complicated than that. Um, And so our company set out about two years ago. We've got 30 years in the industry. We've got a lot of good data science and engineers to start solving for the value of an athlete. And so that's what we've been doing. um, 
And it's fascinating. It's, it's obviously an inefficient marketplace, but we think we have cracked the code and, and we've got the formula that will track as NIL grows from a 700, 500, $700 million industry to a four plus billion dollar industry over the next four to five years. When you hear reports or Pat Narduzzi talking about Drake May being offered $5 million to go to another program, does that sound out of whack to you? Or if Arch Manning, if you guys have him valued at $3.5 million, does that just simply sound like the going rate for a quarterback of his caliber in college football? Okay, a couple questions there. First of all, I don't, I don't believe the $5 million by any stretch uh, of the imagination. I don't think – you know, Drake May has, what, one year left uh, of eligibility. And so if you said he's got three years left of eligibility, I'd 100% buy into a five-year Well, type, he's got one type. year that he'll probably play. He's yeah, got, yeah. I think, so three years got, of eligibility, but he'll probably play one more year. He's got one year. Pro. Yeah. Two years, I could potentially buy it. So it could be a $5 million deal over two years. The, the, the going rate on a really great, you know, quarterback is probably around, you know, a million dollars. And so – those are the numbers that are being floating. Whether you like it or not, it's the truth. Now, there's only a small fraction that really fit that threshold. Shannon Terry in studio with us on three sports. So we mentioned the floor, mm-hmm. 260 grand for, for Texas with the Manning effect. Do you think, and I know it fluctuates university to university, yeah. do you think the floor for the most part will stay where it is, give or take 10, 20, 30 grand or and then we'll see the the big players their their money rise, or do you think the floors will be? You said four billion dollars. Where will the floor for player by player be in, sure. in five years? So so in, in order to like build this construct, what we did is we 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 defined value in two different buckets. Okay, a roster value bucket for us is basically you know your your collective driven school and for the lack of a better term your salary cap at the school level now there's there's endorsement deals there's local businesses uh there's those type type situations to the athlete the second bucket is brand value you know and so once an athlete reaches a point where they have regional national appeal they get brand they get brand deals from big brands uh from large medium-sized brands okay so you got to look at them from two different buckets so to answer your question this First of all, there, there are not finite resources at an institution in a collective. Many of these collectives, you know, are working and struggling and even cannibalizing, you know, other donations to build up this annual, you know, stash of cash, stash of bag yeah. that's going to be deployed to their roster through the collectives. What we're hearing, and, and we talk to all the collectives and all the schools you know, the general goal for your top programs right now is around this $10 million for a football team uh, on an annual basis. Now, how you goal seek to that number as an institution, as a collective, I mean, those are, you know, a Clemson, you know, I know the Clemson, totally different type market, you know, where they have 20,000, you know, fairly solid donors versus three or four billion. So it's a different equation, you know, than say a University of Texas, Texas A&M, et cetera. Okay, so that roster value number uh, is not, it, it's not infinite. And so if it's somewhere between 4 million, 5 million to 10 million, depending on the program, or even 3 million to 10 million in the program, that money's got to be allocated. And the way it's being allocated is that there are a few athletes, a few, a very few that kind of n- are naming their price based on the position that they play. There's another handful 
you know, that are leak glue to that program success. Then there's this floor. Now, our average NIL valuation for the SEC, I think, is around $44,000 per roster. So it's not, it's not out of hand. The floor that we're hearing from the schools and collectives that they are goal-seeking for for this upcoming season is somewhere around thirty dollars to $70,000, depending on the program. So those are very real numbers, especially when you add that to all the other benefits athletes are receiving by going to that institution. So do they want it, do you think the universities want to keep it around that floor figure or do you think that they'll in 4 or 5 years do you think we're looking at a million dollar floor? You no, know, no, it's Based not on a 4 it, billion yeah, dollars. It's not no the, the here's here's what here's the thing that I think everyone needs to kind of kind of understand. The the collective value, let's say that there's 50 institutions, yep. right? Okay, 50 institutions times 10 million dollars is how much money? It's it's five hundred million dollars. Okay, so that five hundred is not five billion. The bulk of that five billion, four billion in NIL is going to come from big brand deals. Okay, through the school when the athlete's IP, their name pairs with the logo, the University of Alabama logo, and then a T-Mobile comes in. So a very 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 small group of athletes are going to participate in that two, three billion dollars in group licensing deals. And a huge chunk of that money is going to go to guess what? To the schools through these group licensing partnerships with the big brands that pair only a very small group of athletes. So a year ago with A&M's recruiting class, you know, it was crazy good. And also the numbers that were floated out there were, were through the roof. Now, I look at that and I can compare it to, you know, today, Carlos Correa signs with the New York Mets and Steve Cohen, their billionaire owner, he's willing to spend $495 million this year in salary. And the biggest salary financially in the history of the game was $350 million. So you've got one that's out of whack, right? But this is not just a college football issue. Shannon, is it your understanding that, that the market will kind of reset and things will go back to sort of a median area where when you talk about those big brands coupled with the schools and the programs, we're going to essentially create our own salary cap situation among the 20 to 25 biggest programs in the country where each of those schools will have at least a similar amount of money they're spending in NIL combined with brands that are coming in to help that number also. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're going to be, you know, how you deploy your cash. You know, it, it, it is not... You know, you get on Twitter and you, you read everything. And it's everything. also further moving to that area we're talking about where it's going to separate kind of like the NFL where there's going to be maybe 45 to 60 programs that are really competing at the highest level because they have the resources to do so and everyone else goes somewhere else. Yeah, and it's probably going to end up being 10 or 12, you know, of those. And I, I really think, you know, it's not being talked about right now. And this is the first time I've, I've even said it. But I really think fast forward three, four years down the road, Road, the schools that can really pair big corporate brand deals and, and group licensing deals with a more of a larger footprint of athletes are going to have more of a competitive advantage than the booster network collective play. And so there's a, there's a lot of ways this is going to shake out. But what, what's going to happen is we have an incredibly inefficient marketplace and they're all going to goal seek to a number that will stabilize, but that's just the roster value situation. So the schools and, and the schools that can get with the corporate brands 
and incorporate those group licensing deals three, four years from now, those are the ones that are going to win big. So remember that term, group licensing on brand value, three, four years down the road. That's what we're going to be talking about. So going with the big brand concept here, could theoretically Coca-Cola, Apple, Amazon, some of the biggest brands on the planet, could they just decide who's going to be in the top level of college football? And all decide. I'm only gonna. I'm gonna pitch in a ton of money to these 12 programs because I don't want to show too much favoritism to one school over another. But I am going to. If I'm Apple, I'm gonna have Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Washington, Texas, Texas A&M. Just go through the biggest brands of representing all of America. Wasn't that Nike's model? Yes. Yeah. Right. So, but if Apple said, I want you to promote these Apple TV shows and Apple products across the board, all athletic programs, and basically they could just get together and say, all right, well, this is a new NCAA. Here's the highest level of college sports based on what the big brands are spending and who they spend with. Uh, that's the play. And, you know, here, if, if I'm Greg Sankey right now and I'm thinking, you know, the greatest quote leaders, you know, leaders are not thinking in the past or thinking in the future. If I'm Greg Sankey right now, all I'm thinking about, how do I build a group licensing platform for my conference? Now, I understand there, there's competitive and cannibalization because you're dealing with, you know, schools have their, their brand partnerships they have to work around. But I would figure that out because group licensing at the conference level, especially conferences like, like the SEC and the Big Ten, change everything. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to do that and solve for everything else right now. But that's the play. How do you so I love that concept of conferences deciding, okay, we're going to be out in front of this and get the group licensing piece, but it also feels like you're really pulling up the Vandys and the Mississippi states by the bootstraps, the Northwesterns. I mean, go through those conferences. Is this survival of the fittest or is this? sort of a communist structure of we're not going to exclude the little guy and they're going to get all that Apple and Coca-Cola money too, even if Apple and Coca-Cola have to come kicking and screaming to sponsor some of these brands. Because if they want the SEC, they've got to get all the SEC. And I guess ultimately, trying to put on our future glasses 15, 20 years from now, does Alabama care if Vandy's getting money from from Sony and Coca-Cola and Amazon? The answer is no, and I would also argue that Vandy brings incredible value to the Southeastern Conference. Um, they're located in Nashville. Uh, the academic rec- reputation of the school, you know, their success in baseball, uh, their previous successes in basketball, um, you know, and I think Clark's doing an you know an amazing job. And I think he's ahead of the curve. You know, I don't I don't think Vandy was ahead of the curve by any stretch of the word in the, on the collective space and and. You know, I think that's just kind of indicative of, of, their, of their institution and alumni base. But, but Vandy is incredibly valuable to the SEC. Shannon Terry, uh, founder of On3 Sports, uh, founded Rivals, 24-7 Sports, now On3. Um, future question here. You mentioned the four to five years, four to five billion valuation. <laughs> and the, the majority of the money is going back to the school. Um, we certainly know the players are going to figure this out. Are we headed for a college football players association? And if so, who's likely to jump in and be the de facto leader of that? And by the time it's four to five billion, do you think we have 
a, a legitimate negotiation going on from the players and the schools? I think there has to be. I, I just hope it doesn't happen too soon because the money, the money isn't there right now. Okay, the the money, their group licensing, you know, is kind of the term they were using around this brand value concept. Okay, the money isn't there yet because group licensing, which is the lowest hanging fruit, hasn't really taken off yet. It's like Colorado and so, right now. Yeah, and so if it starts, if it starts too early, you know, then then things going to be a mess because they're they're arguing over, you know, not a lot of money. Most of the money, truthfully, right now, if you remove the, you know, Bryce Young's you know, $3 million, which was, you know, probably through, you know, the CAAs of the world trying to get a foot in the door in the future and his Heisman and, and type things. There isn't a lot of brand, big brand money that's actually going to the athlete right now. It's really a lot of collective, you know, d- d- distribution going. So at some point in time, I just hope that we never have, I don't want to see college athletes as employees. I think that I think if, if, and speaking from someone who's an entrepreneur here and looking at this from a business perspective, okay, that, that could be an area that people trick a player's association or athletes into thinking that's good for them. One of the absolute worst things that can happen for athletes, in my opinion, okay, would be going down this employment W-2 model. That is an absolute disaster. It is a ceiling on their upside. It removes this meritocracy concept to a degree. Hate it. Hate everything about it. Greg Sankey and Kevin Warren are running things, right? Um, who's third on that list? And did the hire or the announcement of Charlie Baker as the next president even move the needle in respect to that? I don't think so. We yeah. agree. I don't think so. And I, I don't know that anyone's running it. I, agree. I mean, Sankey is a brilliant man. When he speaks, there is no wasted words. Um I bet that six out of seven days he feels probably a little paralyzed. You know, whether it's federal legislation, state legislation, um, you know, all the things. So that's the problem. I don't think anyone's running it. You said something last time that I think really rings true about people just have to accept the fact that players are going to get paid. They're going to profit on name, image, likeness. That That is where it is now. It's not going to go away anytime soon. So my follow-up to that is how do we get to some common-sense governance on this to still, look, uh, acknowledge, you know, is, it, you can be the biggest traditionalist around and most old-school person and fan of the sport and acknowledge these kids are going to get paid. So we're going to have to deal with that while also not robbing what we love about college sports and keeping it a competitive system where there's checks and balances, there's rules against a school contacting Drake May if he's under scholarship. You can't contact NFL players under contract. So if they're playing somewhere else, they're not in the portal, how do we get there? How do we get to that point? Okay, first of all, why in the hell do we care that an athlete makes money? Like this, this old school concept that I hear and read all the time is the most, is, is ludicrous. We should want these athletes to make as much money as they can so that they can learn fiscal liter, uh, financial literacy and, and learn, I, I guarantee you, they're going to go into college classes with a completely different optic. If they're out there running their own marketing campaign uh, you know, depositing checks in the bank, reading contracts and whatever. So, so my first stance. So is let me, this. let me give you yeah. the response to that though, okay. because 
and this is not me. I'm but playing I, harder I, I, too, I, by the way. Yeah, look, I talked to a yeah. lot of you know older people that have been around a while, Bingo. And, and the and the thought is, if you give someone money at that young of an age, if they earn money at that young of an if, age, if they, <laughs> and not just earn money, but earn make a lot of money at that age, suddenly then they're going to try to call the shots and not be a part of the team. And it's going to blow up the team structure, and they're going to become more of a diva, and they're going to go to their coach and demand more, and they're going to do this and that, and it's going to ruin my beloved sport. That's the counter to to that whole idea. Any head coach, any administration, okay, that has grown-ass people running it, and they can't emotionally, physically, culturally manage a bunch of 18- or 19-year-olds, don't deserve an $8 million, $9 million a year contract, and they're 40 to 50 support staff, first of all. Okay, so, so what you're going to see is the programs that have the leadership and the culture, you know, will we'll not have those type of locker room problems. You know, but this whole construct that young athletes have not earned that opportunity to make money. And the market will, the market will, will get efficient. You know, you're not going to overpay too many people till you learn I can't overpay too many people because guess what cash isn't infinite it's finite it's finite at every level because every dollar a donor gives it's keeping them from building a building or going into some other fund I don't care what anyone says it's also crazy to me are we outraged about Livy Dunn making a lot of money why at LSU for her Instagram following I mean I just granted people aren't as passionate about SEC gymnastics as they are the Iron Bowl, but it's it's just when pe- you look at it like big picture. I always wonder about that. I don't see you know my uncle worried about that <laughs> as much as their teams making money. Yeah, why, why do we care? And it's this old school thought that you're not seeing the unintended consequences of this whole process uh, has actually opened up a transfer portal window or more windows. For the, for the Olympic sports and the non-revenue sports so that those people now can move on to better education opportunities that fit what they're... Because they're thinking, I'm going to go be a banker. I'm going to go, you know, do whatever. And now they're getting to go, you know, through... Because of the awareness around the transfer portal and all thing opened it up. There's so many benefits to this. We just have to get out of this mindset that, that, it's, that it's all negative. And it's not going to fix itself overnight. Uh, but it, it will fix itself. So we've got, we have about three minutes left. I'm going to try to go rapid fire here. Um, so the power five, five years from now, is it a power two, a power three? How many schools are, do you think there's going to be a line where we cut things off based on the money that's going to be spent for this group that's ultimately going to control all? Yeah, I have no way to predict the future, but there has to be. You have a feel for the future, though. There has to be. It, I don't know the year. I don't know if it's 10 years or three years, you know, but the 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 inequity of the playing field, it's not that it's going to get worse. It's been awful. Like, I don't care what you say. The last 10 years, there's three programs a year, maybe four, that could actually play for a title. We're in the same situation, okay? So there has to be – it has to be set up different, you know, or we're just – too many bad games right now. And among the commissioners not named Sankey or Warren. I don't know. Okay. I so, really don't. So who's, I was going to ask you, who's m- most likely to step up and claim that spot? I know who the best man is. It's not even close. I mean, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, like, pick favorites or anything, but, but Greg Sankey is, he is a brilliant man. He's a genius. And, and he sees it and he gets it. Um, 
there he would be a phenomenal leader. Uh, and look, he's not he's he's what from Syracuse, New York either. He's not some right. you know good old boy they pulled off a Alice Chandler tractor. So like you can't <laughs> you know just because he led you know he's led the SEC during this huge economic boom, you can't hold that against him. This is always great when we have him in. Uh, every time. Every um, time it makes me think about something new. Every time we have them on, yeah. Can we briefly in thirty seconds? Can we tell the bank account? I refer to it as a bank account. It's not a bank account, but for players, individual players that can see their value, yeah, where where they are. I'll let you explain it. Where they are and where they could go. Well, and also Nico Yamaleava at Tennessee is a great example. I saw you post yes. about this in on three. He has activated his on three nil profile. Yeah. essentially, what does that mean? Yeah. So so we have the largest athlete database. There is. So what happens is an athlete signs on to own three, does a search, finds their profile, goes to their public facing profile, which publishes their own three and valuation, which is the cumulative total. Once they claim that profile, uh, we launched a couple week, weeks ago, an athlete network, think LinkedIn for high school and college sports. They go into their private community. In this community, they get their roster value, which is what the collective's discussion is. They get brand value. We even show them deals, NIL deals to look at. Uh, they can manage part of their own three profile. They can chat and talk with other athletes uh, about NIL things. Uh, there's education components coming. Uh, the, app, the app, we're in an MVP portion right now. The app will release in June um, to connect all this um, chaos going forward. It our guy Grant Furking going to be a part of the education piece of this? Uh, Grant Furking is uh, head of activations, and so he's go. going to be out talking to all the athletes across the United States. We're building an activation team of former uh, college athletes uh, to go out and show them. We just want to we want to set the value, define the value, and 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 through that, so much will be cleared up because everyone will be working from a from a level playing field. Shannon Terry has been our guest in studio. It's always great to have you on. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you. Much appreciated. We're going to give them the tour of yes. Six and the Peabody here in just a moment. Shannon Terry, check out on3.com. On3 uh, is where you can see everything that he's just discussed in a nutshell and consider where we are and where it's going to be based on the app and everything else that, that launches in June. Shannon Terry, appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Coming up, uh, speaking of money, uh, a new top team for – a sales price with the Phoenix Suns um, by nearly two mil two billion dollars. I said two million, two billion dollars. That's next on Outkick three sixty. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. We do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. If you need any indication about what the Washington Commanders are going to bring, for a new record sell in the NFL. Look no further than what the Phoenix Suns just this brought. This blew me away. $4 billion is what Matt Ishbia, the CEO of United Wholesale Mortgage, is spending to purchase the Phoenix Suns from Robert, Robert Sarver, who is, uh, he's, he's owned the Suns and the Mercury for, what, over nearly 20 years now. Maybe right at 20 years. 
Um, trying to think back, it was 2002 or 2004, one of the two. Nonetheless, uh, former walk-on at Michigan State. He says his dream has always been to own a sports franchise. Well, now technically he has two with the Suns and the Mercury because that was part of the sell as, as well. And the, the previous record in the NBA was $2.35 billion, which was in Brooklyn. This is out west in Arizona, and you're getting $4 billion. It's insane. And it tells you there are plenty of, not plenty, there's a handful of billionaires who are looking to buy into pro sports right now instead of later, uh, and they probably have good reason why. And with market and brand, I wouldn't even put the Suns, it may be borderline top 10 in the league in terms of brand yeah, right. and market. That's what's crazy to me. This is not the New York Knicks being sold for $4 billion or the Los Angeles Lakers. Right. Or the Boston Celtics. I mean, I can go to the Chicago Bulls. I can go to the list. Of, yeah. of teams I would put as bigger brands in better markets, the Miami Heat, even, that would sell for more than the Phoenix Suns. They got a really good team right now, uh, and that's not a bad market at all. Don't get me wrong, but, man, that shocked me. But they, So you had the owner, Sarver, who was suspended back in September following the, the independent investigation on workplace environment. And you know his punishment is he's got to sell. And here he is. Four billion. Now think about what the Vegas franchise will be worth. Once you have the owner there and the value of of that market uh, for lot. that team. And by the way, uh, just get into a scandal if you're an owner of one of these teams and you're going to make billions in the sell. Yeah, it worked out for Sarver. It's going to work out for Daniel Snyder. As long as you're not attached to the, the it, shield or hey, the brand. It worked out for Sterling or the logo with the Clippers. Sure did. Yeah, they're making a lot of money. Coming up, Aaron Murray joins us. College football analyst, former Georgia Bulldogs quarterback, then Clay Travis in 25 minutes.